we're too easily satisfied. We're, we're too, we're, it's not that we don't want enough. It, it, it's, not, it's, it's not that we want too much. It's we don't want enough. Like our, our dreams, our capacities, our, our interests are not wild enough. And I would say that the way we pursue and express our religious faith tends to be not enough. Hey, welcome to the Kindling Fire. My name is Troy Mangum. St. Ignatius said, the glory of God is man fully alive. Jesus said, it is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. This podcast is here to bring God glory through you becoming fully alive and you bearing much fruit or having powerful results in your life. I believe you can use your unique gifts and talents to change the world. If you listen to this show and read our blogs, you will be inspired to take your own journey of faith to become a man or woman who is fully alive, making an impact in the world around you. I interview people that I think are awesome that are doing that today to inspire and to challenge you, you can do the same. Let's get rolling. Today on the Kindling Fire, I have a guest called Justin McRoberts. Thanks for coming on the show, Justin. Happy to be here, man. So Justin and I are connected up through Scott the Painter. He was on the show a couple weeks ago, and Justin wrote prayer, I'm sorry, pray a 40-day practice and, uh, and then Scott did the artwork for that. So how long's that book been out? Yeah. Uh, see, so there are kind of two renditions of that. So the, the, Scott and I released it independently two years ago, and then uh, it was picked up by um, Penguin's arm called Waterbrook Multnomah, and they just re-released it uh, a few months ago. So it's been out for it's been out twice. <laughs> so in one way it's been out for like a you know two years plus. In another way it's only been out for like a month or so. Okay. Not a month, like six six or so months. Now you have a podcast. Um, I do. It, it's called At Sea, and uh, tell us. I, I love the premise of this podcast. Tell me, tell the listeners a little bit more about it. Yeah, so, you know, I, I ran a, uh, you know, I planted a church in 1998, uh, and my favorite thing that we ever did as a practice was a thing called Signs of Life, where we would literally pass the microphone around the room, and folks would not just share, like, hey, here's a prayer request, or here's a, you know, it was like, the question they were answering is, where are you seeing God? Where are you seeing and hearing God? And the and it, and it was it was like this le- it was like the least controlled moment uh, of any of our gatherings ever. So I, I could teach and that's fine. We could sing songs, but to pass the microphone around the room, and if you'd been there for you know 15, 20 years as a congregate, you could grab the microphone and say a thing. And if it was your first time walking in the door, you'd have the ability to grab the microphone. And the whole idea was that if we were really actually paying attention to, if we were hoping to pay attention to the activity and the movement of the divine in the world around us, we don't get to control how we how that happens. So uh, the podcast is kind of is a way for me to continue to do that on a kind of, I guess, sort of scaled up uh, level. To that, like I pass the microphone around culture and say, and ask that question, specifically as the institutional and traditional spaces in which we have tried to answer that question have started to fail more comprehensively or have narrowed in their accessibility. The, the Sunday gathering is fine and it serves a particular purpose. 
but as life changes, as culture shifts, that particular purpose is fading and less useful. So now the question is, where is God active, alive, moving? Where is the divine? What does it sound like? What does it look like? What does it smell like? And I'm asking him that question by putting the microphone in front of people who work in politics. They work in the arts. They work in uh, you know, online media. They work on, in television news. And trying to pay attention to kind of the, the broader swath of how that question gets answered. What's it look like for the divine to move into and among us? That's what the podcast really ends up being about. The whole idea being at sea is that if you really, if you want truth and goodness and beauty, you have to leave. You have to leave safe harbor. Frederick Nietzsche, who was uh, a deeply influential philosopher, especially in my life, said that the, the sea is stormy. But everything is at sea. So if you really want to get into life, you have to leave the harbor. C.S. Lewis backs that up in a different way. Although I don't know how long how they how they would have gotten along in the room together, but they, they get along in my mind. I mean, what C.S. Lewis <laughs> said is that we get we, we're too easily satisfied. We're, we're too, we're, it's not that we don't want enough. It, it, it's not it's, it's not that we want too much. Is we don't want enough. Like our our dreams, our capacities, our our interests are not wild enough. And I would say that the way we pursue and express our religious faith tends to be not enough, that it's an hour and a half when we let someone else, you know, tell the story. So what he says, and I love it, is that, you know, we settle for making mud pies because we don't know what it would be like to have a vacation at the sea. So the podcast ends up being that. Like, what does it look like to broaden our view, to open our eyes a little bit more, to actually tilt our ears towards the world and look for a wild, powerful, all-encompassing, truly creative God. Yeah. Yeah, so do you have, uh, man, there's so many areas I could go, and, and we'll get into uh, some of the stuff uh, related to more specific around the podcast. Do you have any funny stories from you opening up the mic at your church? Oh, you know, sure. You know, and because of where we were downtown Concord, California, which is that side open, we have folks come through um, with a kind of regular uh, attendance by folks who are living on the street around, um, you know, around the park, um, and to hear. You know, guys who we wouldn't let people in the room, like, you know, the sanctuary who, like, we knew were high or drunk. But, uh, you know, folks have been on the street for a long time, and sometimes you can't tell, you know, if someone's, uh, did you really hear something, or is that all in your head? Uh, and we can't, what's funny about this is, for me is, like, it, it's one thing for, you know, if, you know, a homeless gal to say that she heard something. And what we tend to do with that is like, well, you're probably crazy. But if like soccer mom says she heard something, we'll, we'll entertain that. And what we what ended up happening as people like handed the microphone to some woman who was living on the street and had been for you know ten years, and she says, here's a thing I heard. It actually caused the room to actually stop and say like, well, maybe she did hear that. Hmm. And maybe that wasn't what she heard. Like, yeah. why? Like, who the hell do I think I am that I get to say because because you haven't showered in three months, you don't hear from God? Like, wh what kind of religion is that? Yeah. Whereas, like, the person who's seventy five thousand dollars in debt because they can't stop buying crap they don't need, they get, gets to say we give her authority. 
So it was. So those are the kinds of things that were wild and more interesting and more fun, and it broadened our like. Uh, broaden our understanding of what it looked like for God to move, and more to the point, to kind of ready our hearts to listen differently. Yeah, and and we in in preparation for the show, you know, we kind of talked about, you know, there's, you know, there's this whole notion about you know sort of church bashing, right? And and that's yeah. really not where I kept real. I really picked up on your heart. It was more. Uh, no. A, a look, I've been in it, I've done it, I, I know what it smells like, feels like, looks like. I just think that there's there's elements of it that are just not working. And I would love to hear a little bit more about your perspective on that. You know, what what is yeah, what is not working? I've loved the I, I have loved and been loved loved I have loved and been loved by uh, the institution. And I'm a I am ai do not I'm not an anti institutionalist. I think uh, at some point, regardless of the, the wildness and newness and excitability of any given movement, eventually things calcify, and I don't think that's necessarily bad. I think things, you know, the way we've, the, the trick ends up being that we hold these, hold these forms too tightly. And if we can hold them more loosely, then we can have, a, have an actual appreciation for them. So, we, so right now, part of what I'm paying attention to in the hearts and the minds of people my age and maybe a little bit younger is just a kind of resentment towards institutional practices. Well, these institutional practices, if you're, you know, particularly among evangelicals, folks who are now calling themselves ex-evangelicals and like, like, okay, that's cool. I get that. But like the way evangelicalism has expressed itself is really freaking new. Evangelicalism is really new. We're talking like 40, 50 years maybe over the course, over the course of millennia. You know, the, you know, Christianity as an expression of religion has been around for only so long, but, but God's interaction with humanity has been around from the beginning of freaking time. So this thing that's been around for 50 years, one, hold it loosely while you're in it, and then as it passes away, also hold it loosely. So I can appreciate a Sunday service in a gathering. I can appreciate the person who wants to stand up in front and you know, talk for 40 minutes because they think that they've got something to say. And maybe, you know, those minutes are really helpful and useful. If I'm holding too tightly and thinking, like, this is supposed to be everything, well, then I'm going to begin to resent the institution. And that's just a bad place for my heart. And resentment always keeps me from clear lines of communication. Love opens me up. I can love the people who are still running Sunday services, and I should. And I can appreciate and expect and look for the divine in these spaces if I hold it loosely. So I'm not anti-institutional. I'm not at all. I just hold the particular expression of institutional religion as loosely as I can so that I can love the people who are there and listen to and be engaged by the divine who is working in its midst. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I found interesting in, in talking with you about your the, the genesis of your podcast is you were running some events. Tell us about those events. You mean the, the, the event series? So, yeah, yeah. what I started to do, like, the, sort of the, the, what was birthed in my heart out of this passing the mic thing is like, okay, well, if that's, if that's what it sounds like to hand the microphone over to people in this room, then what would it look like then to pass the mic out the door and put it in the hands of someone who's not a part of this community but, it, but who's going to answer that question in a really particular way? So we started the, this event, I called it the Advocacy Event Series, 
by passing the microphone to people who were running comic books and again were politicians and you know pastors and other faith traditions etc so the very 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 first at sea event as i passed the microphone to a guy named jean Luen yang who was a, uh, a national book award winner he wrote a book called american born chinese which is this uh, beautiful fascinating graphic novel about the chinese experience of america and uh, at the, and and at the same time as he like a, a year or so after that book had won the award, DC Comics had brought him in to write Superman for like ten or twenty, it was like twenty or thirty, uh, like 10, twenty or thirty uh, book run, which is like that top tier comic writer. Well, he's a person of he's a person of faith who's who's working. He's not like writing religious books per se. He's a freaking Superman. <laughs> and books about the Chinese experience in America. So what does he have to say to us about what it looks like to pay attention to story, to listen for the divine, to work for the posture of faith? And it was a fascinating night to listen to him tell stories and then answer questions about race, because this was before Black Panther hit the theater, and he had a really particular understanding of like what it looks like to be a person of color in the context of uh, mythology and religious mythology. So, and it was a, it was a great night to pass the microphone to him. We did another one. Um, we did we did, we did several events. We, we worked with the Center for Bioethics and Culture to do a series on bioethics and have bioethicists and feminists kind of on either end of these uh, these you know, philosophical questions about whose body belongs to who, have these nights and discuss these things, and just hand the microphone over and, and be able to say, what do you hear, what do you see? Uh, we did a night called Women in Culture. So it was uh, a female uh, pastor from down the road. I was a singer-songwriter and, uh, and a local politician about what it looks like, what it feels like to be a woman who's working in these like very male-dominated spaces. And it was great to, again, kind of um, beyond the safe space of like, it's one thing to pass the microphone to people in this particular building, we're familiar with these folks, but to hand the microphone to people who live outside of the walls of not just this particular church, but oftentimes our institutional you know, church boundaries in general. And again, listen for the divine. That eventually became yeah. a podcast called Atsy. Yeah, so what do you, if I'm sitting in that audience, what are you hoping for me? Like, what, what are you hoping that I'm experiencing? I'm hoping you turn around and look at the life you're living and, and hear it differently mm. and see it differently. That, like, when you walk in the doors and your kids are, deli- or your kids are listening, to Justin Timberlake or Justin Bieber or your your kids are listening to Lizzo or whatever else, like instead of doing the thing we generally tend to do as religious people, which is to say, I don't really have a metric for this, like what's good or bad about it. I just know it bugs me and I don't understand it and wanted to shut it down. But but instead, like what, what is it about Lizzo right now that is appealing to young women so deeply like what is it about her work her person as a hip-hop artist as a performer that like is actually connecting with people like why why is kendrick lamar not just this phenomenal rapper who's got incredible flow but why is he so culturally iconic what like why is he the person that when people go to coachella they want to make sure they catch the kendrick lamar set like what is it that's actually going on there and ask the question what is god saying here 
And, and instead of assuming that God's going to sound the way we want God to sound like or expect God to sound like, so that we'll only look in certain places. In other words, and, and, and the cheap, cheap, cheap shot here is like we created a Christian marketplace so that that question was kind of answered for us. We didn't actually have to do the spiritual work of the cultural curation of like, of, we'll just call it discernment, because the marketplace had done its own discerning work and said, like, well, God sounds like Chris Tomlin. Well, yeah, it does sometimes sound like Chris Tomlin. Great. I love that. And I think Chris has done some amazing work over the course of the last 15, 20, 30 years. Yeah, but so does Kendrick. <laughs> and Kendrick is hearing from God, too. And if I want to actually believe in a God who holds together all things, then I need to broaden my ear. So I hope when people listen to the podcast, they walk away saying, you know, I, like I'd never listened to, as an example, I'd never listened to a homosexual journalist talk about their faith journey. But maybe I'd pay better attention to the people on CNN instead of just shutting it off because I'm just a Fox News listener. Or I've never really listened to a staunch conservative talk about compassion and care for people economically. So maybe I ought to just not poo-poo Fox News for being Fox News and, you know, think the worst things possible about Sean Hannity, but instead listen for the divine over there as well. Yeah, yeah. That's a real, I, I think the thing that I love is that Jesus ran in many circles, if, uh, meaning that he... He was able to engage, and the woman at the well is such a good example. You know, he engaged. He was in the conversation. People, that woman was experiencing love. Had he sort of filled out the script that says, this is what I am to be and to do per society, he would have never yeah. even had that conversation. Now, I, I do want to ask, um, because one of the things that I... That I, you know, I wouldn't be honest if I didn't say there's the slippery slope, right? It's like, okay, um, so here are things that are in the Bible as, as being true, and I can engage with anybody in any setting, in any belief, and express the love of Jesus to them clearly. But the, but the slippery slope is, okay, when does... When, when is there a line? Because I think that truth has a line. I'm just going to be on, uh, be on the record on that. I think truth has a line. It doesn't mean that it's a line of where you don't become friends anymore. It just means this is where I stand on whatever. I mean, just talk to me a little bit about that kind of, I don't know, that... That there idea. might be a line. There, there may be a line. I think you and I probably agree here. The, the wording might be different. I, I, there, there may be a line. I'm not wise enough to draw it, um, and I don't think it's my job to say where it is, unless I'm talking about like maybe my kids. And even then, I'm not trying to necessarily draw lines as I'm as, as, as much as I'm trying to. Um, foster discernment. So what I don't want to do is say, here's the line, and and like there's there isn't truth on the other side of it. What I want my kids to do, what I want my congregants to do, what I want to be able to do is to listen for the voice of God. In other yeah. words, I, like if I'm if I'm honestly in tune with Jesus as a person, not as an idea. It's not just like becoming like. You know, and you and I again. I think we're on the same page here. It's not a matter of being um, 
academically familiar with the teachings of Jesus. It's actually a matter of, it is why I put a, wrote a book called Prayer. It's a matter of actually being like emotionally, physically, spiritually, psychologically connected with the person of Jesus Christ. Yes. The Spirit of God and the creator of all humans. Like, like if I'm honestly connected, then I'm in a, I'm in a conversation in which I'm paying attention to the leading of the spirit. And at that point, then like if there's a line, it's more, it's kind of these curvy lines. And if I step back and look at these curvy lines, they take form in the shape of the person of Jesus. That it's not like a line, like here's an area. If this is the person, here, here's what the, here's, this is what the shape of Jesus is in this area of culture. If that makes some sense. So I think you yeah. actually, some people are saying the same thing. Well, I mean, let me, let's just be practical. If in the world that emanates from the person of Christ, I'm just saying that the, to over-identify Jesus with, a, with particular, really specific cultural expression keeps us from seeing Jesus and therefore keeps us from loving the world. Yeah, uh, I'll give you, I'll give you like a, a, a good example. Uh, two, two examples. One, um, before I knew Jesus, I was experiencing Jesus through drugs. He was coming to me. He was pursuing me. He was engaging me. I was under the influence of acid, of pot, of whatever pills I was taking, and I felt the presence of God pulling me. Now, an outsider looking in, I'm lost. I'm completely lost. I have no hope. I am a wicked sinner and whatever, right? But in fact, God was pursuing me um, and, and pulling me, and the drugs were not in his way. Uh, and then when I finally responded, I said, oh, Jesus, you are so much better than all these things that run out. Like you're the, you're the yeah, bro. joy fountain that never, that never stops. You're the peace yeah. that I had a false version of. You're, you're everything that I'm looking for. You know, and maybe even not necessarily, maybe even not necessarily like a false version, but just an incomplete one. Yeah. Because in the same way that you, in the same way that I would say, this is exactly how I would. Say, it's like because I know a ton of people. I'm in, like I'm, I'm partnered up with people who work in the vineyard, and there are a truckload of people who are like vineyard pastors who literally came to Jesus on acid. They act, they act, they act like it was that was thing. me. The Jesus movement. <laughs> that was Jesus me. Mo- the, 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 the Jesus movement. Like in especially up and down the West Coast, it was like it was like these these are people who it was sex, drugs, and rock and roll. It was weed. It was acid, and and Jesus was up in these relationships with all these people, and they weren't folks who. And what was beautiful about the movement from uh, from like an evangelist standpoint was there wasn't this thing with like, hey, if you really want to get serious about this Jesus thing, you need to stop doing drugs. It was like, hey, so tell me, like, when you think you heard Jesus talking to you while you're, you know, in hour eight of your 12-hour trip, um, <laughs> like, what did you what did you hear? And let's have that conversation. And the assumption was that, like, even under the influence of drugs, you were accessible to and by the divine. Okay, so that's drugs. I'm going to go ahead and say, as potent as LSD is religion. Because there's a truckload of people who are under the influence of religion, who have a really particular experience of God, of Jesus, 
and are under the influence of religion, under the influence of a particular political ideology, under the influence of a particular cultural ideology. And it's just as potent and just as distracting, and it makes just as much noise in the soul and the mind as drugs do. And so if we can be, like you, like, and I love your story here, because it's like, God was like, I can, I can work with this. <laughs> like, like, you're high. I can work with that. Yeah. Hey, you're a fun, you're a fundamentalist jerk. Okay, I can work with that. Yeah. Hey, you're you're a social justice warrior person who really legitimately did cross the line, and you don't care about people's souls or eternal salvation, et cetera. You literally just want to get people fed and be on the right side of history. I can work with that. I think God moves into any and all of the spaces and says, I can work with that. And when we're able to say, Hey, that's a line that I'm uncomfortable with, but I know that Jesus isn't then that frees me up to participate, to, to champion, like, hey, other folks can go on the other side of the line, and I'm not, and God isn't over there, I'm just saying I don't have the wisdom, strength, and wealth, which is a completely different thing than saying if I'm uncomfortable with it, then God doesn't do it. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a movie, um, I, I, I'm trying to remember the name of it, and I can't. It was a movie basically based in Ireland or Scotland many years ago uh, about a, a, a gay person struggling. Uh, struggling with his gay attraction and 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 looking for love and his transsexual uh, struggles and all this other stuff, and I remember watching it. I wish I remember the the name of it, but anyway, I remember watching it and I was just thinking. Um, so the the visceral struggle is real. The the desire for love for all human beings is absolutely a drive that every human being has. Love, acceptance, I'm okay, all of that. And in, in, in looking at the film and what it was trying to portray, it was basically saying these things are real, which I was like, absolutely. And then the conclusion was, therefore, this is how you solve that problem. And I was like, well, uh, I think Jesus is a far better boyfriend than a, and than a honestly, than, when, than a, what I would go on the record to say, a counterfeit. I think Jesus is a far better father than what you would see as a sugar daddy to take care of you and love you. And I said, Jesus is the very, very best. And most of the time what people are looking for, and that's what a lot of the angst is, I think, in a lot of the, the, the Jesus in homosexual angst is like, don't you see my pain? Don't you see the desire for love? Why are you so hateful? And it's like, well, okay. Um, I, I just think there's a better lover. <laughs> I think there's a better father. I think there's a better option. Anyway, that's just kind of I, going. No, I, dude, but I, I think that, that's a good word. I'm with you 100%. <laughs> Yeah, and so, and that's, and, and I, you know, and, and that's the kind of things that religion will absolutely, when I say draw a line, I don't mean the line of, oh, well, you're that, I'm this, and therefore, you know, I disagree with you. It's more of a, look, I mean, I've had so many, you know, gay friends, and my, my wife and I have had, and it's just like, I love them in Jesus' name. I'm not saying, oh, I absolutely think you're making the best decision, but, you know, that's, that's sort of a secondary conversation. It's like, do we trust each other? Do you know that I love you? You know I love Jesus. You yeah. know, it's just like, it's that simple. And you'll, it's shockingly, over time, you're like, they are like, okay. Like, I'm open. <laughs> I'm open. But, I mean, that's a whole other discussion. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, but I think that you're probably venturing into all of that, I would assume. You know, as you're trying to... I do my best. I venture into... 
um, wisely well. I don't want to get involved in stuff if I'm going to make a mess of it, you know what I mean? Because there are sure. other people who are smarter and wiser. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I hear you. Okay. Well, look, so um, so tell me a little bit about kind of what's what's upcoming. Uh, are you got another books? Do you, do you have some stuff coming out with the podcast? Like what's what's happening in your world in the future? Um, well, tonight in a few hours, uh, the, our mutual friend Scott is landing here in Oakland. Scott the painter and I'm hosting his one of our events. One of the events of this series uh, is Scott the painter doing his say yes show, which I think you've seen. He was yeah, was so good. Up there. So good. Yeah, so he's doing that tonight out here in Concord. Uh, and, they've got, and the event series goes on. I'm working with a guy named uh, um, Brandon Vetter, who did a um, he did a documentary film on David Bazan, and then we're going to do a, a viewing of the David Bazan documentary out here. And, uh, um, so a lot of that, that kind of thing. Podcast, I just released a great conversation with Christina Cleveland, who's a brilliant public theologian and we've got a lineup of a few other really interesting guests over the next bit of the summer uh the second prayer book is called may it be so and that comes out in september and so there's prayer 40 days of practice and then uh, september 24th will be may it be so in 40 days with the lord's prayer uh similar format with the, the combination of words and imagery and some longer meditations every seventh movement, ton of fun, a little bit of a deeper dive into the practice of prayer. So I've got those things going on. I'm really excited about all of it. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Justin, thank you so much for for just jumping on and us to be able to have a bit of a conversation. I, I appreciate what you're doing. Uh, you're based out of San Francisco, right? Yeah, I'm actually just east of San Francisco in a town called Martinez. Um, but, you know, East San Francisco Bay Area, Oakland, San Francisco Bay Area, however you want to look at it. I'm on the West Coast. I'm way over here, bro. Yeah. So if somebody wants to look you up, uh, obviously you got At C Podcast. Uh, where else can they find you? Uh, best place, you see, you search for me, you look for my name uh, at, you know, you go to just justmcroberts.com. At Facebook, you can find me by my name, Justin McRoberts. Same thing with Twitter. Uh, and Instagram. Those are the main places I spend my time, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, uh, and then I've got some resources on my website. Very cool. Well, thanks, man, for your time, Justin. Hell yeah, man. Good to hang out. We'll, we'll do it again. All right. Awesome. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast. If you want more information on The Kindling Fire, go to our website, thekindlingfire.com. There you can learn how you can join the Firestarters. That is a community that I'm sending free e-courses, Bible devotionals. We're doing special challenges to really help you guys move towards the dreams that God has placed in you. I'm also on Instagram at The Kindling Fire. And as always, be awesome.